Hello, this is Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett from Star Wars. You're listening to Enchanted Tiki Talk. This week's episode of Enchanted Tiki Talk is brought to you by Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your Disney Orlando resort, hotel, or vacation home free of charge. You choose the time of delivery and pickup, and we do the rest. It couldn't be easier. Book your Kingdom Stroller rental today by visiting KingdomStrollers.com or call 407-271-5301. Vahidi Mekionimana, ladies and gentlemen, no flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait, we forgot to wake up the Glee Club. Hey howdy hey and thank you for joining us here on Enchanted Tiki Talk. We're your hosts, I'm Sean. I'm Keith. And I'm Alan. So grab yourself a Dole Whip, pull up a chair, and enjoy the show. This is episode 112 for the week of December 13th, 2015. Hello everyone, this week we are celebrating all things Star Wars, with it being Star Wars week here in the Tiki Hut and in the rest of the world. If you are, of course, listening to it right now, right before the the movie comes out on the 18th, people around the world are lining up to be first in line to check out the first new Star Wars movie in 10 years. So it's an exciting time for us Star Wars geeks. So um, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, so this week, it's all about Star Wars mainly. Uh, it's an interview that's upcoming um, just a few minutes. But first, before we talk about that, we have a book review that, book review that we're going to talk about. It's time for an Enchanted Tiki Doc Review. We got copies from uh, Put Me in the Story once again, which are really cool books for younger kids and and some of us older geeks here, um, by the way. Um, It has the ability to put yourself, your picture, your name, uh, different aspects of of your personality into stories um, that have come along. We've talked about the Marvel book in the past, but this time it's all about Star Wars. Hey guys, the first one I wanted to talk about was the uh, the Star Wars Rebels one, the uh, Battle Plans from Darth Vader. Um, I thought it was a pretty good one. Um, it's a, a definite, definite great little companion piece for someone who's just getting into Star the Star Wars Rebels universe there. Um, so my son, would be perfect for my son who's five, who has yet to see Star Wars. He's seen one of the Star Wars Lego cartoons that have been on, and he's like that, so he's actually started, he's showing an interest into Star Wars, so... Uh, this is a great way for me to read it to him, you know, especially we're going to give it to him Christmas morning. So I think he's really going to enjoy that so we can get an idea of some more of the inside personalities of some of these characters. So um, it's, that's a it's a good book. I mean, it's definitely for the younger, younger audience compared to the next book that we're going to talk about, I think. But what's uh, your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, it's a really um, good book for kids to watch or um, to have as they watch this series. I'm actually um, giving this to my nephew. It's for, he's he's like right kind of like um, at that age where he's like starting to watch more um, like complex, I guess that you could say, um, like cartoons and shows. So this book uh, is great for um, like a gift alongside, like with um, the DVDs, like of season one. It tells about the characters it kind of oh, like it lets you um, like fill in what your oh, like thoughts of each of the characters are and strengths and weaknesses and stuff. It's really cool to um, 
to help the younger kids like kind of um, partake and learn. And these ones actually um, include um, like a luggage tag with the kids like address and like uh, a shuttle ticket and stuff like that. Um, it's cool too that that you can like take out and actually um, use them too. So it's a fun, um, like you said, uh, um, companion book with the series. Yeah, you know, and I think, and not to be, uh, not to be like nerdy here, but you know, everything you guys said, I agree with. But I also think this is a good one for um, for younger uh, fans of Star Wars because this is a really good book to. It kind of reminds me of when you were in school and you had and you had those workbooks when you were in grade mm-hmm. school and you had to like kind of you know, like think out pro. It was, it, this book's going to be really good for problem solving because there's, you know. What's the ideal? They give you descriptions of the character. So it starts off with Ezra and it kind of describes who Ezra is. And then it's, you know, what's Ezra's greatest strength and what's an ideal setting for engaging him if you're trying to capture him, which is what, you know, the plans of this book are because, you know, that's what Vader wants you to do. So it's really good to, this is a good way to, to possibly, you know, kind of help your children, you know, learn problem solving, but in a fun way because it's Star Wars. So I, you know everything you guys said, but that's just an extra thing that kind of struck me about that battle plan book. Uh, the next one we have is the Star Wars: The Force Inside, and this one is really neat. I like this one um, much more than the Star Wars Rebel book, just because. I'm not, I don't say anything negative about the, the battle plans book, but this book is pretty cool because the one side of the book is um, the light side for the Jedi, and the other side is the dark side for the Sith, and that's pretty neat to open the book up. You know, once you. Uh, take a look inside it's giving you a background on like on the light side it tells you you know uh, things about yoda um obi-wan kenobi and things along those lines uh, along those lines it's saying how old yoda is and it goes into uh, to the next page it says like what kind of great desires have you to control fate of the galaxy to have a palace full of riches to fly by the seat of my pants to live in peace and harmony with the force so it kind of gives the uh, like you're saying there's one of those workbooks alan as you know, as a young kid going through these things and trying to figure out which is the the right thing to do, so I guess you know, depending on your selection, you're probably going to be able to tell if you're you know the dark side or the light side. I guess you can compare notes at the end. So um, this is a must, definitely must buy book um, for young your young Padawan there at home. So I highly recommend this one for your boy or girl. Yeah, actually, I, I agree. I thought this one was slightly better than one because I, I thought the battle plan book was really fun too, but. I do think this one's a, a little bit more. Um, I think it's a little bit more exciting to, to kind of you know, mess with if you know for your kids um, the idea that you can do both the path of the Jedi or the path of the Sith is pretty fun. Yep. And this one's cool because you can. There's all these questions in here, and it's like you know you answer them and you tally it up at the end, and once you you total up your score, it ranks you. So if you score, you know, like if if you do the the path of the um, uh, the path of the uh, crud, sorry, the path of the Sith. I can't talk right now. Um, you know, if you score a certain number of points, you could be a member of the Galactic Empire. If you score a certain amount, you're a Sith apprentice. Maybe you're a Sith Lord. Maybe you're a Sith Master. And and same thing on the the Jedi side, but obviously different rankings. And so I think that'd be a lot of fun for kids to to answer those questions and see where they would fall if they were you know Jedi or. or you know, on the dark side. I agree for the reasons that you I said, and it's cool. Um, it's with a lot of like of their other books that you only get like one like picture. Um, 
um, per each book. This one actually has two so that you can put in, you know, if you have, you know, like pictures of them, you know, um, like dressed up as Star Wars characters at Halloween. That'd be cool to put in here and stuff too. Um, it's a really, it's a cool book to learn about the, the characters, um, especially the older ones that the kids who are just now um, getting, you know, indoctrinated into um like Star Wars with The Force Awakens, you know, this is cool to kind of like take and learn about the characters from the other films. So, yeah, um, this one is a must-buy for sure. Sean, before you wrap this up, I just want to say, I feel like the education level of this uh, podcast has just gone sky high because you used the word indoctrinated. <laughs> I mean, I've used that word in my life before, but I'm fairly certain that's the uh, most intelligent word that's ever been used on this podcast. I, I, I have to concur with that. That's, that's pretty impressive. I didn't even know he knew what that word meant. I just learned yeah. it. Uh, He's got word of the day boxers, you know, and that was one word each one. Yes. We want to thank, first of all, Disney Publishing for sending us review copies of these books. We appreciate that. Once again, it's put out by Disney Publishing, and you can check it out over at PutMeInTheStory.com. I don't know the retail price on these. Um, I'll try to throw it in show notes on on the website, but uh, definitely check it out, PutMeInTheStory.com. Everybody, hopefully you enjoyed the review, and everyone get out there, see Star Wars The Force Awakens, let us know what you think, call the Tiki Hotline. Uh, May the force be with you and hang on while you listen to our interview with uh, the one and only Jeremy Bullock. We are honored to have a legendary actor from stage and screen. He has not only starred with doctors, but rocketed into our hearts as everyone's favorite bionic hunter, Boba Fett. Please welcome Jeremy Bullock into the Tiki Hut. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. So you began acting at a very young age. What was it about acting that drew you into it? Well, it, it's funny. Um, at the age of 12, I became an actor. This was after being at school and not doing very well. I, I, was, I got all the exams wrong. And I remember the teacher coming into the door, and I thought, oh, what's going to happen? And he came over and he said, Bullock, you may have lovely writing, but you have failed again. And he was like a Dickensian character. He was obviously desperate to tell me off. So that's, that was the, the start of it. And it was really my mother that pushed me forward. My father didn't want me to get involved in any, you know, that's going to be the end of you if you, you know, he was rather depressed by it. But my mother drove me forward and said, go on stage and do a dance. See, you might be able to get into the school, which I did. And I mean, from literally my first job was when I was 12. And so it, it was very, it was instant. And, uh, and it's, uh, and I'm still doing it. I'm still still working. At such a young age, did you have a favorite role that you you um, acted in? You know, when you were a teen. Yeah, there there was one. Um, really, it was, it was a kids' film called Billy Bunton Greyfriars School, and it was a sort of typically English sort of. Oh, I say, chaps, you know what's going on? Oh no, come. So it, it, I did that for three seasons, and then sort of moved on. And then, then that's when I realized this is what I want to do. So it was the, the very early, literally the first job I did. I, I knew that I could get past that. And, and there was something about I knew that I wouldn't fail and I knew that I would keep working. And that's the biggest thing an, an actor has is crosses his fingers and go, yes, I can do it. I know I can. So people are saying, what are you, who are you talking to? I'm sorry, I was just walking down the road. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> crossing my fingers. Um, so it all started from the age of 12. You originally told that the part in Star Wars was going to be a small one. Did you yes. take it thinking, wouldn't it amount to much at all? No, you're absolutely right. I didn't think it would. My half-brother, he was the one that said, well, look, um, there's something here. It's, not, it's probably only a one day here. Um, and he was associate producer on the original film, and I was in a play at the same time. So at, at one stage when they said, well, welcome aboard, which was George Lucas, he said, it's not a big role, but uh, I hope you have a good time. And I thought, oh, that's really nice. What a lovely introduction. And and I, you just sort of thought, this is fantastic. And then I got into the outfit just to see how it would look, a little tuft here, a little cut here, sewing here. And there was Boba Fett's suit. Um, and I just, you know, when people say, you know, how did you get the part, as they always do? And I said, well, I think just massive amount of luck. Uh, and it, you have to, there's no point saying, I I did, <laughs> I used to say to people, they say, tell me, Mr. Bullock, how did you get the role of Boba Fett? Talent. <laughs> and uh, I beg your pardon? What? I said, no, it's just a joke. I used to do that every time someone <laughs> spoke to me. I used to say, talent, you know, that's the reason I'm doing it. But no, it's just enormous luck. And I I fitted the suit. I was the right person. But And when I said at the second interview I, I went to, and we'd just started filming, when they said, well, who, who could, you know, many people could play the part of Boba Fett, Mr. Bullock, surely. I said, yes, they could. You know, I mean, maybe I'm being a fraud. You know, I was the one they chose. And then this young little lad put his hand up and I was giving a talk. And he said, no, Mr. Bullock, only only you can play Boba Fett. You're the one. To and he was in tears because I'd put myself down a bit right. by saying, oh, anybody could do it. And I, I remembered from that, I, I decided not to sort of put myself down. Because it's an easy thing to do, is to say, the reason I got the part was, well, anybody could do it. And that wasn't a good answer, and I realized that. What was the, you know, the Star Wars fandom back then, at least for you, was it something like you were excited to be in Star Wars, or was it just like, oh, you know, it's just another role you know, that I can... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the first thing you do is, you, is say, well, it's another role, but it's quite interesting. But it was when I saw the costume, and I was gradually putting it on. This was a fitting to, to go and just see George Lucas to see if you were right. Or uh, It was it was a, a wonderful thing. I was sort of well, quite nervous, and I'm normally not a nervous person. But when I put the outfit on, and then you had the cape, and then the Wookiee scalp which I thought was my hair, and I tucked it under the helmet. And, uh, dear old Chewbacca. <laughs> um, so, you know, just getting the outfit and then carrying the gun, which was terribly heavy. Um, but I thought, hang, hang on, I'm, Bo I'm Boba Fett here, this character Boba Fett. I've got to, I've got to look good, look the part, because it's somehow the outfit that he has on is, looks quite dangerous, so I better, better look good. So now you also played Lieutenant Shekel in Empire Strikes Back. How did you end up with that role? Yeah, but that was um, quite early on in filming. And I was sitting, I always remember sitting on set and reading the paper. I was looking for football results and just chatting away. And then the assistant director, Jimmy, Jimmy, quickly, quickly, go, go. 
go into wardrobe, go into wardrobe. What, what's the matter? What's happened? So, no, go into wardrobe, just get your left turn into whatever it is going to be. In fact, I didn't know what it was going to be. I had to put the outfit on, you know, with all the imperial officers. And it was a nice sort of scene, dragging Carrie Fisher into the elevator. And, um, and she said, oh, for my God's sake, what are you doing? I said, well, I've got another role. Well, we can't play two parts. And so we were giggling a bit, <laughs> going through. Um, and then suddenly this character became Lieutenant Shekel. And then jumping way ahead, if, if you want to, was when in the final film, um, they said, would you play Captain Colton in The Revenge of the Sith? And I said, oh, well, are you sure? And and, and George Lucas directed it. And I, I wasn't there very long, but it was nice to play a third character. Right. Do many people know that about you, or they just see you as Boba Fett? Yeah, I think most people see you as Boba Fett. And when, when you see a, they see a photograph of you, oh, yeah, that's the... Yeah, they just say, oh, yeah. But they're more interested in Boba Fett. Yeah, I mean, I mean... I, everybody knows who Boba Fett is for the most part. Oh, yes, I mean, yes. So, I, yeah, I can understand that. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that you've done other roles within the trilogy, which is, isn't is common for many actors. You know, you know there's, quite, there's some that have done more than one role. But you've had such an iconic role and you got to do other parts. So that's that's really cool. Oh, no, it's great. I mean, it was just nice to be asked as well, you know, because, um, you know, but there were days... Uh, days I had off and I had to dash to the theater and at one one stage only a couple of days there was one stage I was doing three jobs at once which is quite rare one I was in a play in the theater uh, I was also doing, finishing off um, half an hour comedy series and then of course I was filming Star Wars so just and they they allowed me to to do that and get me back to the theater make sure I, I was on time now, not not many people would do that in a film contract or even in theatre. They would not allow you to go from one thing to another because I, I might suddenly not appear. There's traffic jam and I can't get to the theatre or, or get to the filming. So I was very lucky and they, they treated me really well there. Now, did you or anybody in the, the cast of Star Wars believe that uh, you know Star Wars was going to become the global phenomenon that it is today? No, I don't think anybody would do that. I think they said, oh, the reaction to the first film was, was A New Hope. Was terrific. I remember watching it, and, and then I didn't know I was going to be involved at all. But uh, it, it was lovely, you know, just getting into Empire Strikes Back. And it was just an atmosphere about about the whole set and and just getting up there and I kept looking at the costume saying this is terrific but I've never played a part like this plus you know it's no lines as well can't see me under the face I can make them I can muck up um, you know and it was just wonderful and then I finished the play which gave me more more freedom uh, just I just had that one week to go in the play so I didn't have to dash to the theater all the time and speaking of not having any lines, you know, with Boba Fett, is that something I wish you were able to do? Is be the voice of Boba Fett as well? Yes, I mean, I mean, I didn't do the voice of Boba Fett, but it, it, it didn't worry me. I mean, they had most of the um, stuff was done back in, apart from Anthony Daniels, but most of the stuff was done back in America. They were, you know, and it, 
It doesn't, I mean, just being involved was terrific. It was an, an unusual character to play. And the only thing you can do is make the costume do the work, which is exactly just looking at the costume. I realized then that this character, all he has to do is just just move so slowly, and he's just staring you out. And that's all you have to do. And the costume does it mostly for you. Right. Yeah, I mean, because that's an iconic costume, just like Darth Vader. I mean, you, it's easily recognized, so... Yes, yeah, you're, you're right. Yes, it's... It's funny because every morning getting the outfit on, I got so used to putting it on with the help. You had to have somebody with you. The wardrobe man who said, I know, I know this costume backwards, Jeremy, don't worry. I said, no, I'm not worried. It's just, you know, and in the end we got it down to about 20 minutes, which was, oh, wow. which was pretty good. You know, you to put your arms up and then they put the thing over you. The jetpack clicked in. And the knee pads used to be quite funny because you put a bit of pressure on your foot and the knee pads there used to shoot across the room. Oh, really? Wouldn't, wouldn't, well, yes, it wouldn't help. It was strapped around my knee and I've got soccer legs. And as you push pressure down, <laughs> it flew across the room. Made it off. So Boba Fett had an extra weapon on him. Oh, yeah. Was aware of. Yeah. yeah, Boba Fett. <laughs> So you were part of a another huge sci-fi franchise in Doctor Who. What was it like working with um, William Hartnell and John Pertwee? Oh yeah, William Hartnell. Well, William Hartnell, you know, I always thought was a you know good actor, and which he he was. Um, you know, so but all the black and white films he did, he always played sergeant majors and military people a lot of the time. Um, but I remember my first day coming into to the set. And here we began to rehearse for several days before it virtually was going out live because it was black and white. And I remember him saying, right, well, you're tour. You're the tour bloke. Yeah, right. What I want you to do, boy, is listen, watch what I do, because we, haven't, we can't afford the time for people mucking up. So do you think you can do that? Yes, I think I can do that, Mr. Hartnell. Thank you. And I'm speaking a bit... Um, over the top with my reaction to him because I couldn't believe anybody would speak like that. <laughs> but he was just getting a little touchy in his old age, and I'm sure we all will. Um, but it, uh, I just said, yes, Mr. Hartnell, no, no problem at all. Now, when I come here, pretend to hit me because that's all it is, pretend. Don't actually do it. I said, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, people have done it. So he was waffling on. But then right at the end, and it was the last day he came up and he said and I thought oh he's going to sort of have a go again but he came up and he said you see you listened you learned you learned something son alright off you go and that was the, the reaction so whereas <laughs> John Pertwee was con completely different he said whatever you do don't get those arrows anywhere near me I know you're not a top archer but we'll we'll go by that I'll, I'll support you <laughs> you know but for goodness sake, don't fire arrows at me. Help. And he was just great fun. Yeah, that, that was a fun few weeks. That's amazing that you've been a part of two huge franchises that have had a huge resurgence. Well, Doctor Who for the last several years, but now Star Wars once again. Yes, so I know. What is, how does that feel to be part of such um, a huge sci-fi phenomenon in two franchises? 
Oh, it's it's incredible to be part of it. And I I've been to a, I remember going to quite a big event. It was mainly sci-fi, but it was terrific to go there. Doctor Who, and then we did um, Space Museum, and then then Robin of Show became a big hit here in England, and I played an, yet another part. So you know there was a lovely time where you when you finished a, a job you went fairly quickly on to the next job. Some director occasionally, it's lovely when they sit and watch and they come up to you, and he's usually in the bar at the end of filming and everything, and he said, are you free in about a week's time, Jeremy? I said, well, yes, I am. Good. I need to talk to you. So suddenly that's how I got the job. A lot of it, well, you didn't have to... Well, many years ago you had to do an audition and then do another audition to get the part. But when people know you, it is quite nice when they say, I need to talk to you, okay, right, well, come to me and then you can talk to your agent tomorrow. And that's how it used to be. Yeah, it's so easy, right? Yeah, it, it's so easy and they, they don't, sometimes a director will be shy and they don't want other people hearing what he's saying, virtually giving me a job. Right. Um, so, but it was nice, you, you'd have a laugh and he said, I know I've made the right decision. I mean, it does happen where you you don't get the part and you have to go, oh, oh well, never mind. There'll be another one along soon. Yeah. And invariably, you did get the job because the director would say, so what are you doing now? I said, not. I've just finished. That was it. I said, that's my, oh, oh, well, we'll have to change that. I'm sure we can get something. And if you're... A fast-working actor, when I mean fast-working, you take you take on board exactly what they've said. So you, they said. They don't have to repeat themselves. Because right. you'd have some of these, you know, really quite quite angry directors. They say, come on, come on, come on, let's do this again. <clears throat> and try and learn the lines, boys. This was um, a Pathfinder's about the Lancaster bombers in the war. And he said, I don't want to listen to what, come on. And some directors, <clears throat> some directors were terrific. They would really be on your side, and uh, and then other directors, usually, probably from the, they're a bit unknown and they don't know quite what they're <laughs> doing, and and they would sort of collapse a bit, and you had to sort of say, oh no, it doesn't matter. We know it's all right. Don't worry, because there, there is that nervous part where suddenly the director is on his back feet, whereas most of the time the, the actor is the one that's nervous and don't quite know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so stepping back to Star Wars, I'm sure you have so many stories of behind the scenes, things that have happened that are funny. Are there any that stand out to you more than others? Yeah, well, there's only one. Thing. It's not, it wasn't really funny because it's quite hurtful. We were coming into the carbon freezing chamber and I was, we were just rehearsing. We just the first rehearsal up the steps the little Ugnaughts are running around. And then I trod on Darth Vader's cloak, and he jerked backwards, and I fell forwards. And um, that was hurt the knees a bit, but other than that, that was quite amusing. We tried to sort of dust ourselves down and pretend this disgraceful behavior never happened. <laughs> so I know that you're a big collector of Star Wars memorabilia as well. Do you have any um, surprise items that you um, cherish? Well, I've got, I've got, I've collected, I said, because I like the character. When some, someone said, why did you buy that doll? Said, 
Star Wars doll of Boba Fett. I said, well, I actually like the character. So I put it in <clears throat> office upstairs, and my wife said, for goodness sake, throw them away, don't you? <laughs> I'm going to have to do it. I said, no, it's all right. It's just nicely. And now there's quite, there's quite a lot more, but not st stupidly more. And, and it, they're not, apart from one piece, it's not worth anything. But there's one or two bits that I like, and they're, they're good, and they're, they'll just stay. It's rather like having <clears throat> golden globes or something, or a, a, a gold, well, almost a gold picture of um, Boba Fett. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got recovering from a sore throat. So, oh, okay. Yeah. No, but it's a lovely gold piece. Not real gold, but it's sitting there. And I, I, every time I go up to the office, I go, <clears throat> Okay, Boba? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? No, I'm just talking to Boba Fett. She said, that film's driving you mad. <laughs> you're actually balmy, you are. You're going... No, so just, I think the character's good. So I occasionally just go in and say good morning. But, I mean, some of those people that have huge amounts of <clears throat> memorabilia and they collect stuff every time they, they go out filming or they go to a convention, and you, you realize, I said, well, how much was that? And he said, well, about 50 pounds. And, of course, moving on, that would then be 250, 300 probably. And I, I'm sure a lot of, I mean, I've got some lovely little pieces and I shall keep them there, and then sell them all and go and have a marvelous meal. <laughs> Are you often given items from fans? <clears throat> yes, yeah, yeah. I have, it's, it's lovely, <clears throat> Adele, who you see at every event you're at, she goes around, takes you a bottle of wine and chocolates and little sort of teddy bear that looks a bit like Boba Fett. And, and I said, you mustn't do this because you're. I've known her for sort of five, six years, and she always comes and says, "Jeremy, this is for you to to wish you luck." You know, and you have a lot of fans. A lot of the guys come up and say, "Mr. Bullock, it's an absolute honour." I said, "Well, it's an honour for me too." <laughs> you know, it's a real honour. Now I understand you like red wine. I said, well, who told you that? And he said, well, the lady down the road there, she just at that cubicle, she she said, you like red wine. So at the end of this day, it's a convention some years ago, I had six bottles of wine on the table. And I said, no, you mustn't do this to everybody. But I suddenly thought, this is the way to get a stock of your, your wine and put it away. Because, you know, people are terribly generous and they always love to to hear about what you've been doing and everything. So that's um, that's a good way to get a glass of wine. <laughs> so speaking of conventions, what is it like interacting with the fans? I know you just came back from Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah, that's so. right. R Rhode Island. I've never been to a place with so many people with so little room. Um, I mean, there was enough room, but it, it was incredible. The, the, the amount of people coming in in a short and I, I can remember thinking, is, does Boba Fett really behave like this? Does he have all these fans? And apparently I do and it's it's incredible the amount of people who just come out oh, it's been, I've been waiting to meet you for almost 30 years Mr. Bullock and it, it is incredible when, and I suddenly think 
how do I react to it? I mean, I know now how to react many years later, but how do I make it fresh and say, hi, well, thank you very much indeed for coming. That's that's really kind of you. I feel very honored. No, Mr. Bullock, you mustn't say... I, I'm the one that feels honored to, to be in your presence. I mean, that's when it, I think it gets a little bit too much. But you can say, I feel absolutely honored to be here. If you can say it as a statement and funny, um, it's fine. But there are one or two that will actually go quite over the top. But they're, they're still very nice people. And, um, you know, you just have to, some people do make up. They do a sort of strange helmet, and then they make their own costumes. Um, the very big conventions is you really see the talent coming out. Amazing. You know, in some ways, it's it almost restores your faith in humanity when you get to meet fans like that, you know, especially in the world that we live in today. You know, when we first talked about, we talked about the tragedy in, in Paris, but it does restore faith because there is really so much you know, love for, you know, no, it is. somebody it's, like you. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Sean. It, 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 those people dedicate half their life, mm-hmm. you know, writing, writing letters. They, they get photographs um, and you spend, you know, sometimes you're signing and they don't mean to. They'll come and sort of virtually plant themselves on the table, but they just want to make sure you're okay. Right. And then I say, is there anything I can get you? A cup of coffee, some water? I said, a cup of coffee would be nice. Um, but then I was saying, no, sorry, Jenny, please, please don't do that. Um, sorry, it's one of the <laughs> children running <It's> about. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, they say, just, you know, just take it easy, you know, because we do all that, you know, but if you want to sort of talk to the people, we're allowed a certain amount in. But it shouldn't be sort of like caged animals. Right. They should be allowed to come in. <coughs> oh, my throat, it's a bit sore. Um, <coughs> no, generally, the, the, they behave really well. <coughs> and I do apologize for my throat. That's okay, just a couple more minutes. Okay, <laughs> fine, <laughs> no, you're all right. Uh, being an actor of stage, TV, and film, is there one meeting that you've enjoyed over the others? Uh, one job, do you mean? Uh, do you prefer like uh, stage, you know, or? No, I think I think stage stage for me is top. I mean, I re- I realised it when um, uh, <coughs> I speak. Let's get my wife to Hoover this room. Sorry, Sean. I'm just trying to get. No, stage theatre for me is is, is the best. And uh, when I reached, uh, I did seven West End plays. And, you know, that's lovely because it's 25 minutes. I can drive there, park the car, round the back of the theatre, walk in, and there's this lovely atmosphere. And that was the early days of Star Wars. Some of the Americans would come over to, to London, see you in a play and fly back the next morning. That that was incredible, and they they were going. Oh, I can't believe I saw you on stage. <laughs> and I said, Well, I'm so used to having the helmet. I very nearly put the helmet on <laughs> in one scene. I thought that would have been good. Um, but that the theatre, that particular play, there were just three of us in it, um, and it was a play called Dangerous Obsession, where this man arrives and starts talking to my wife. It's out in the garden, and it was all done just in this one area. But 
sometimes you'd get a standing ovation four, five, six times. You know, they'd get up and sit down again, and because it was a quite a nasty piece, but beautifully written. And, and so I was in that for six months. Then I went on tour for another six months uh, with a different cast, and then, then I think it was Revenge of the Sith. I started, yeah, started doing that play then. And then I think it must be six, six months ago, and I suddenly thought I probably I probably won't go on theatre anymore. I just felt I just felt no. I think I've done what I want to do, and I don't want to spoil it. Imagine going on stage and several of the senior actors—they're <laughs> wonderful. They say, "Do you know, Jeremy? What I want to do is this." I want to come on stage and I want someone to do my voice, do my lines for me. But they've got to be absolutely right. Because they say, yes, we know the line, but who says it? This is when an actor gets confused. And it's so easy. And I just just see now that you're just beginning to, you know the play, but just time maybe to just say, I think that's it, that's enough. So whether I'll go on stage again or not, I don't know. Might happen, but you know, you need to be twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. That's a nice term because there's several parts. But when you reach seventy, you you go. I wonder if I can learn this play quickly because normally you learn a play in forty minutes. I can learn that play and then start picking out the bits that you stress and. Um, so it, it's not, it, once you're struggling or you're going, oh, sorry, what's the line? Oh, yeah, got it, yes. Let's do that scene again. But um, And if this, the curtain goes up and you think, I'm, I'm now, let, I'm, I'm trapped, I can't get out, that's it, help. Um, so you just suddenly realize it's not it's not easy when when you can't quite get the lines or the timing. But um, I've still no. I've had a terrific time doing doing the plays. But whether I will go back or not, I don't know. We'll have to see. So we'll take a step back to your youth. You were also a great athlete. Do you have any regrets not pursuing sports? Um, I, I have some regrets. I mean, I was a good soccer player. But the lovely thing is, I got one play um, about football. Nineteen nineteen twelve, not nineteen or eighteen something play. It, it, but we filmed quite near a running track here where I lived. That was where we trained. And But I got the job. And the, the audition was um, a 90-minute game of football. And that was that was your start. That was the audition. And I remember going past three players and hitting the ball into the net. And they said, it's not fair. He's, he's a professional. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not a professional. I played at school and came through. <laughs> And the amazing thing was, I was talking about it, it was great playing, the play was good, the filming it, and, and it wasn't it great actually playing soccer, and I said, yes, that's fantastic. I went home and said, bye everybody, hope we get to see each other, so we all watched the, the television and see it come on, television film, big success, and I said, oh, well, I'm glad, you know, I played football, but I was literally, Sean, two weeks later, uh, my agent said, oh, they want to see you for uh, a play. I said, a play? Well, filmed. It's going to be filmed. I said, oh, that, that's good. Yes. 
What is it? Well, no one is about this dad who doesn't know how to play cricket, and his son's the one that's going to help him. But I said, oh, is that amazing? So in the end, I got this part as the father who's, who no one knows, but he was an ex top ex-player. So I managed to play cricket as well. And I played a part in rugby over a period of about 35 years. Oh, wow. So I did manage to get the sport in. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one more question for you. And okay. This is probably the... The toughest, but maybe not. <laughs> so, so do you think Bulba's, Bulba escaped the Sarlacc pit? And do you think that would be... Well, I heard I heard that he does escape the Sarlacc pit, and that comes from George Lucas. So uh, if he said it, then it must be true. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> it um, must be true. <laughs> it must be, if George said it. So, no, I think... I mean, people are asking... Are you in the new film, Mr. Bullock? You know, it would be great to see you know, back in the film. I said, well, I'm sure the character will be in a, in a spin-off to begin with. So it'll be several years, right? and it will come out. But it's nice to still be involved. I, my wife and I went to Disney for probably 10 years on the trot because they said, could you come down and talk to the fans? Uh, and that, that was being at Disney, and that was great fun. So, you know, we've had a great association with Disney, too, with George Lucas and all the crowd. And, you know, we've had a, a really good time. So, I mean, and you get invited to here, there. Right. And, and so how lucky one is. Right. Yeah. So the every guest that we have come on the show, we have a tiki, a tiki lightning round with five questions. They're, they're pretty easy. Um, oh, good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite snack in a Disney park? Uh, yes. Am I supposed to give you the... Yes. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I yes, I do. What is your favorite snack? The, 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 it's a steak, because I very rarely eat steak, but it was a steak in um, in the park at Boardwalk, and that was uh, <clears throat> it was the most beautiful steak. The Flying Fish okay, was yep. the restaurant. Good restaurant. You have a favorite attraction. Favorite attraction um, <clears throat> is the one that, oh, you're floating. I can't remember what it's called. You sit on the thing and you're you're flying Sorin. all over. Do you remember it? Yes, yeah, Soren. Soren, that's yes. it. Yep. That that's my favorite. I try and get to see that because when you arrive, you know, there's a, there's a waiting list, and <clears throat> that that is incredible. Yeah, it is. They're re actually redoing it. They're going to I think soaring around the world now. Oh, great. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I'm sure I'll hit London. <laughs> Sorting around the world. <laughs> it's, it's about a life about a carpenter, I think. <laughs> uh, your favorite Disney character? Favorite Disney character? <clears throat> it has to be... No, it, it's got to be Donald Duck. Because they made a model of Donald Duck as Boba Fett. Yes, they did. Yeah, I have a figure yeah. of him. Yeah. I have the figure as well. I like that one. Yeah, that that's what I suddenly thought, oh, they mean him to be serious now. So it's got the proper gear on. So that's right. good. <laughs> uh, your favorite Disney movie? Oh, crikey. Um, favorite Disney movie is... I'm going to forget the title again, but Mulan. Okay, that's a good one. I enjoyed that. 
And do you have a favorite Disney Park memory? Disney Park memory? Favorite Disney Park? I think coming out of the... The wonderful, what's the, the thing called? You, you're answering it all for me, but what's the <laughs> thing called when you, you go round on a, up to the top and it's all the knowledge about life and, and everything? Um. I can't remember what it's called. And it, you see all the, <clears throat> the characters and people we, we know in history and. Oh, Spaceship Earth? Yes, yeah. All right, so uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. Where they can find me on social media? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you know? Well, your website, I know that. Oh, the website, jeremybullock.com. That's where people find you. It's Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was a great pleasure. That was, pleasure. That was a ni- nice interview. Well, that's going to do it for this week, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your door. For more information, visit KingdomStrollers.com or call 407-271-5301. And if you're going to be at Disney World anytime soon and you've you've already got those magic bands, but they're kind of boring. Red, orange, blue, green, not the elusive purple, but you want to jazz those up a little bit, check out MyFantasyBands.com where you can get a customized... A cover for your magic band so you can get whatever you basically whatever you want i imagine um maybe not whatever you want but there's a ton of selections on there and you can get 20 percent off with the code enchanted tiki talk 20 that's enchanted tiki talk 20 will get you 20 percent off at myfantasybands.com be sure to let us know what you thought of the show you can comment in the notes over at enchanted tiki talk.com you can email us at podcast at enchanted tiki talk.com and you can leave us a message on the tiki talk hotline which is 256 for my tiki it's 256-469-8454. Uh, please like us on Facebook. Check out our store at redbubble.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Tiki Talk Podcast. And lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me on Twitter at One Minute Disney Dream. That's 1-M-I-N Disney Dream and MouseWorldVacations.com. And you can find Keith uh, on basically all social media. He is at Dole Whip Daily. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Norman Bates. Uh, that's N O R M N B, the number eight and the letter S. Thanks for listening this week. For Sean and Keith, I'm Allen, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha.